1: Welcome to another edition of Take 15 at CFA Institute. My name is Greg Seals, and today we have the pleasure of being joined by George Hoge. Mr. Hoge is Senior Portfolio Manager and Global Investment Strategist at State Street Global Advisors. And today George is here with us to talk about sovereign wealth funds. Welcome George. Uh, first of all, we hear the term sovereign wealth funds thrown around a lot, but why don't we make sure we define what a sovereign wealth fund is.
0: There are actually, Greg, there are multiple definitions of sovereign wealth funds. The IMF, the US Treasury, and SSGA all have somewhat different definitions, but a good operational definition would be a large pool of assets, foreign exchange assets, that are neither foreign exchange reserves nor serve as pension assets.
1: And what makes them unique and why are they important to investors uh, in the marketplace?
0: I think they're unique for a number of reasons. The first is their ownership and governance structure, because typically they are controlled by uh, uh, governments, and frequently these governments are in emerging markets. Not always the case. Norway, of course, has a very large uh, sovereign wealth funds, but generally they uh, originate in emerging markets. That's the first point. The second point would be historically when commodity prices were booming, uh, 18 to 24 months ago, was it their growth rate? They were growing faster than almost any other pool, large pool of capital in the world, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 17 percent. Now that growth rate has fallen, given the great recession and the drop in commodity prices. And then the third aspect is is that unlike some other large pools of capital which kind of progressively went from bonds into public equities and then into alternative strategies. Many of these funds have gone aggressively historically into private equity, real estate, and alternative strategies.
1: Um, what about backing up a little bit and telling us about the history and the development of sovereign wealth funds? How long have they been around and and give us some scale on the growth of them?
0: Sure. So uh, the first sovereign wealth fund uh, probably dates back to the 50s in Kuwait. Uh, and there's been a number of sovereign wealth funds that have been founded in really this century or within the past 10 years, particularly as uh, commodity prices boomed and, of course, as China emerged on the world economic scene. China now has $2.1 trillion in reserves. Uh, China Investment Corporation potentially could be larger even than Adia, but the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority is another sovereign wealth fund which has been around for many, many years, has a large and very competent uh, internal investment staff. Uh, But I would say generally they originate either among commodity producers or Asian countries that have been running large current account uh, surpluses. And now even countries like Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan have been thinking about uh, or have in some cases set up sovereign wealth funds.
1: Um, obviously we've just been through a severe financial crisis. Can you talk a little bit about the role of sovereign wealth funds in the financial crisis in terms of providing capital and other things they were doing? Yes, the the
0: financial crisis as elsewhere in the world, has caused a profound reassessment by sponsor governments of the role of sovereign wealth funds and, of course, questioning their investment assumptions, whether it has to do with uh, correlations with liquidity assumptions or or return assumptions. The sovereign wealth funds first started out as uh, less publicized large pools of capital much the way the hedge fund industry 20 years ago, or 30 years ago, was small, and not too, ma- not too many people knew too much about it. Then, uh, as they grew in importance prior to the crisis, there were calls down in Washington to more closely examine their activities. So you remember Dubai Ports and CENOC and the hullabaloo that arose in the Congress when some of these entities tried to acquire Uh, properties in the United States. Then the third evolution that really took place was during the crisis when, of course, unfortunately, the banking system in the United States was substantially undercapitalized and uh, we needed sources of capital. The markets shut down uh, dramatically during the height of the crisis and the sovereign wealth funds were looked upon in some cases as saviors who could provide capital. Now, some of them had invested prior to the crisis in financial institutions, but unfortunately, that was kind of the start of uh, the profound bear market that we've seen, and that negatively uh, impacted them. So where are we now? Well, I would say that it's a period of reassessment, and importantly, a number of these institutions, Greg, have been used to focus on their internal financial systems not just shoring up their uh, external uh, uh, banks. So that's important, that they've been used for domestic purposes rather than for foreign purposes.
1: Um, maybe you could expand a little bit more on some of the public concerns that there have been surrounding their investments um, overseas, uh, issues of control or national right. issues um, right. uh, would be interesting to hear about.
0: They raise a very, uh, a very interesting set of investment issues and also public policy issues. Let me say just a little bit about the public policy issues. and as many issues of public policy, disentangling fact from fiction is uh, sometimes can be very, very time consuming. The first issue, of course, would be just the issue of national security. So every government around the world, uh, of course, protects its sensitive technologies, particularly military technologies, and we have in place in the United States something called CFIUS, which is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which reviews transactions by uh, entities that are controlled by foreign governments. Mm-hmm. A second set of issues has has arisen with regard to uh, their potential to influence our political system. Yet some critics sometimes argue that given their ownership structure that they would seek to do that. A third set of issues has to do with commercial strategy. If you look at China Investment Corporation, the premier of China said in a recent speech that CIC should be used as part of China's going out strategy, that it should help finance acquisitions by foreign, by Chinese corporations of foreign entities, whether it be oil and gas or uh, mining or other companies. So these are some of the issues that have arisen on a public policy standpoint from uh, sovereign wealth funds.
1: Okay, great. And what about on the, uh, strictly on the investment side, the portfolio strategy side? Can you talk a little bit about how that's evolved as these funds have matured? Also, maybe touch a little bit on, you know, what's changed in their strategy after the crisis, uh, fixed income instruments, really a broad area here where, where we'd love to have some comments.
0: Yes, the, an important point to remember about sovereign wealth funds is that they are not homogeneous. They're very diverse and their liability structures are very diverse. So some of them are future generation funds. Some of them serve as quasi-pension funds. Some of them serve as stabilization funds, for example, if commodity prices fall. So obviously all of these impact their investment posture and their risk, their risk appetite. Broadly speaking, it was thought that prior to the crisis, a typical sovereign wealth fund had maybe 60% in bonds, and 40% in equities. And the equities would include some real estate, for example, or other forms of of risk assets, including alternatives. In the run-up to the crisis, particularly when oil was close to $150 a barrel, commodity prices were very high, some of the funds started to become more risk-seeking. And obviously, uh, they suffered some very, very substantial uh, losses. So the posture varies by institution. What I would say is, is, and this is something that I examined in an earlier report that we wrote about the impact of sovereign wealth funds prior to the crisis, is what does this mean for investment? At the time, about two years ago when I wrote a report with colleagues, I argued that there was a potential shortage of stock in the world because of cash buybacks and M&A activity, that the net supply of stock in the world was negative to the tune of about 2% of the market capitalization each year. Unfortunately post-crisis that has changed dramatically (laughs) and we have an enormous amount of issuance that will be forthcoming particularly as the markets rally on the debt market side what i'd say is is that at the margin potentially if they were to allocate more to non-us bonds that potentially could be less source of demand and then on the fx side you know the fx markets trade about 3.2 trillion dollars a day so it's hard to argue that they could actually impact uh, the dollar, at least on a short-term basis.
1: What about the role of sovereign wealth funds going forward? Like if we look at more of an intermediate term, let's say um, the next 10, 15 years, um, do you have any thoughts on how you see them evolving and interacting in the marketplace?
0: Well, I think a key element here is the evolving relationship with China, not just the United States, but with uh, developed economies around the world. China will soon surpass Japan as the number two economy in the world in nominal GDP terms. It's already larger uh, than Germany. And a startling statistic is is that with 2 trillion, 2.1 trillion in reserves, China could buy uh, roughly 7 to 10% of every publicly listed company in the world if that were politically feasible. So um, I think that the sovereign wealth funds are likely to invest more in equities. And importantly, I think they're likely to take board seats and to try to take a more direct control of the firms that they're investing in at the board level, not providing management, but but having perhaps a more influential role if they take 5 to 10% of companies. Now, again, it varies very much by Sovereign Wealth Fund. And, of course, a lot of this is tied up with the uh, price of oil and what oil does and commodity prices, more broadly speaking, because that impacts their growth
1: rates. Well, great, George. Thanks so much for this enlightening discussion on Sovereign Wealth Funds. Well, thank you, and thanks to the CFA Institute for this opportunity. And thank you for visiting us uh, on this episode. And if you'd like to view more videos, you can visit cfawebcast.org. Copyright 2009 CFA Institute No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.